Hi there. Welcome to Journey Church, especially if you're a guest. We're delighted to be worshiping God with you today. Hope today is very significant and meaningful for you. Uh, any MSU graduates in the house today? Any MSU graduates in the house? Yeah, there's a couple. Way to go. Good job. Way to go. Do you now feel the real world looming? Here it is. Yes, yes. Here it comes. And you're getting married soon, too, so it's like, here we go all at once. And it's Mother's Day weekend. We don't always do that. We don't always point people out in the crowd, okay? So, all right. It's Mother's Day weekend, and uh, just in case you forgot, all right, so some of you might need to scramble to the store afterwards, right? A little gift for mom. Maybe just a card would be good. And around Journey Church, we hold moms in the highest regard. So high, as a matter of fact, do we hold moms that we prepared for you moms a musical spectacular that is entitled Total Mom Sense, right? Total Mom Sense, and it synthesizes every single thing that a mom says in a 24-hour period into about three minutes. So sit back and hold on tight. Get up now, get up now, get up out of bed. Wash your face, brush your teeth, comb your sleepy head. Here's your clothes and your shoes, hear the words I said. Get up now, get up and make your bed. Are you hot, are you cold, are you wearing that? Where's your books and your lunch and your homework at? Grab your coat and gloves and your scarf and hat. Don't forget, you gotta feed the cat. Eat your breakfast, the experts tell us it's the most important meal of all. Take your vitamins so you will grow up one day to be big and tall. Please remember the orthodontist will be seeing you at three today. Don't forget your piano lesson is this afternoon, so you must play. Don't shovel too slowly, but hurry, the bus is here Be careful, come back here, did you wash behind your ears? Play outside, don't play rough, would you just play fair? Be polite, make a friend, don't forget to share Work it out, wait your turn, never take a dare Get along, don't make me come down there Clean your room, fold your clothes, put your stuff away Make your bed, do it now, do we have all day? Were you born in a barn, would you like some hay? Can you even hear a word I say? Answer the phone, get off the phone down, no texting at the table. No more computer time tonight. Your iPod's my iPod if you don't listen up. Where you going and with whom and what time do you think you're coming home? Saying thank you, please excuse you, makes you welcome everywhere you roam. You'll appreciate my wisdom someday when you're older and you're grown. Can't wait till you have a couple little children of your own. You'll thank me for the counsel I'm giving so willingly, but right now I'll thank you not to roll your eyes at me. Close your mouth when you chew, would appreciate. Take a bite, maybe two of the stuff you hate. Get a jerk fork, do or set you straight. Eat the food I put up on your plate. Get an A, get the door, don't smart with me. Get a grip, get in here, or I'll count to three. Get a job, get a life, get a PhD, get a dose of I don't care who started it, you're grounded until you're 36. And get your story straight and tell the truth for once, for heaven's sakes. And if all of your friends jumped off a cliff, would you jump too? If I've said it once, I've said at least a thousand times before that you're too old to act this way. It must be your father's DNA. Look at me when I am talking. Stand up straighter when you walk a place. For everything and everything must be in place. 
stop crying or I'll give you something real to cry about. Oh! Brush your teeth, portrait for TJ Son, but don't mad and get up here and say prayer with mom. Don't forget, I love you. And tomorrow we will do this all again because a mom's work never ends. You don't need the reason why. Because, 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 because. I said so, I said so, I said so, I said so, and the mom. I'm the mom, the mom, the mom. The mom. And uh, we're going to close in prayer and go home now. Because everything I say is very anticlimactic after that spectacular, Zena. Way to go. Uh, moms, would you stand up, please? And I'm going to ask you to remain standing. If you're a mom, would you just stand up right where you... Come on, don't be embarrassed. Come on. Yeah, way to go. Stay standing if you would. And let's join together as a family praying over moms. If you'd just stay standing, let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for our mothers to whom you have entrusted the care of every single precious human life from its beginning in the womb, God. God, I pray that you would grant every woman understanding the full meaning of that blessing, God. The meaning of that unlimited capacity for selfless love that you've given to them for every child that she may be privileged to bear for all your children really God God I pray right now that you would watch over every single mother who is with child please strengthen her faith in your care your love for her for her unborn child God would you please give her courage in times of fear or pain Understanding in times of uncertainty and doubt. Hope, God, in times of trouble. God, grant her great joy. Grant them great joy in the birth of her children, please. God, we know that to mothers you have given the great privilege and responsibility of being children's teacher and spiritual guides, God. I pray that you would grant all mothers the ability to develop the faith in you of their children. Help mothers themselves to grow daily in the knowledge and the understanding of your son, Jesus Christ. Grant them the wisdom to impart that knowledge faithfully to their children, please, God. Father, would you please assist all spiritual mothers, those who, though they may not have children of their own, those who selflessly care for the children of others, children of others at every stage, every age in life. Grant, God, that they would know the joy of fulfilling the motherly calling that you have given them, no matter what sphere, no matter what realm it's in, God. Father, then would you please send your Holy Spirit, the great comforter, to all mothers who sorrow for children who have died. God, I pray that you would send the Holy Spirit to care for those mothers whose children are ill, who are estranged from their families, God, who are in trouble or in danger of any kind, please, God. Help grieving mothers to rely on your tender mercy, your love for your children, God. We ask your blessing, your special blessing on all those to whom you have entrusted the gift of motherhood. May your Holy Spirit constantly inspire and strengthen them 
May all mothers receive your grace abundantly, God. May they look forward to eternal joy in your presence in the life that is to come. We ask all of this in the strong, powerful, precious, holy name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the church said, amen. We love you, moms. You may be seated. Yeah. And around here, we're in week number six of a message series that we call Authentic. Today, we're in the book of Micah. You might just flip there now if you're so inclined. Micah, if you've got a text with you. I've been resourced by some stuff that was written by Kevin and Sherry Harney and John Ortberg as I prepared this message and the whole Authentic series. And I just want to start with our big idea. I want to start with where we're going to finish up today. And it's very simply this, that Micah invites us to do what is right, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God, which are the heartbeat of God himself. And I'm going to ask you for a little feeling association, if you would. In just a moment, I'm going to show you some pictures on the screens. Not quite yet, if you would. Hold off on those. And I want you to, if you would please, identify aloud what the primary emotion is that comes to mind when you see these pictures. Like the first emotion that comes to mind when you see these pictures. And what you feel, I just want you to blurt that out. I know there's going to be a cacophony of voices all saying different things. And that's okay. And so when I put the pictures up there, you're going to respond out loud the first feeling that comes to mind. All right, are you ready? Ready, set, here we go. Here's the first one. Okay, I heard good job. All right, you're getting it. How about this one? Yeah. And uh, this next one, I think you'll figure it out. He's a principal. That's a school principal. That changed everything, didn't it? How about this one? Somebody said happy for a nurse. Last night people were saying, ouch. How about this one? (laughs) Disappointment. Yes, how about this one? That's crushing disappointment if you're a 49er fan. And the next one, this is a, that's a prophet, by the way. What do you feel? It's the first feeling that comes to mind when you, come on. Get you all reserved. For me, when I look on the prophets and I think about the prophets, you did really good, by the way. You get an A. The first emotion that comes to my mind when I think of the prophets is cranky. Cranky, right? Because I think that's really the feeling that best describes the prophets. I mean, look at just some of the things that the prophets have said. We've talked about some of these. Look at Amos 4.1. Listen to me, you fat cows living in Samaria. You women who oppress the poor and crush the needy and who are always calling to your husbands, bring us another. That's cranky, right? Look at Isaiah. Look at what he said. Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offering disgusts me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they are all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. Cranky. Look at Micah 3, 1 to 3. Buckle in. I said, listen, you leaders of Israel. You are supposed to know right from wrong, but you are the very ones who hate good and love evil. You skin my people alive and tear the flesh from their bones. Yes, you eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones. You chop them up like meat for the cooking pot. That's cranky, isn't it? And that's all just so you know, metaphorical, but it certainly is over the top metaphorical, isn't it? Cranky just seems an apt term for the prophets, doesn't it? 
And not only do the prophets use angry sorts of words, but they resort to sort of shock tactics that some people might even call bizarre. Hosea, you know the story of Hosea. He married a prostitute to show people, think about that, married a prostitute to show people how unfaithful that God's people are. Ezekiel, he goes so far as to eat food that was cooked over excrement to show how defiled God's people are. And then Jeremiah, we'll be talking about him next weekend, he digs up filthy, buried, unwashed undergarments and uses them as an object lesson to show people the disgusting nature of their behavior. Cranky, angry. And the prophets are filled with all kinds of stuff like that, that, stuff that makes us a little queasy, a little jumpy. We don't necessarily gravitate toward that stuff just for like kicks and giggles, right? We really like the happy books of the Bible, right? Let's read Philippians, shall we? The book of joy. But if that's the case, why do we press into the prophets? Why bother reading them? Well, first of all, because they're in the Bible, Right? And around Journey Church, we are wholly and entirely committed to your full spiritual development. We do not want anybody getting to heaven and having someone uh, like Obadiah walk up to you and say, So, how'd you like my book? Right? And you have to go, like, Well, I didn't really read it. It was like in a bad location up there in the Old Testament, and I took kind of one quick look at it, and it looked kind of whiny, really, and so I. Nah. There's a really, really good reason why God chose, watch this, to put 17 books in the Bible as prophets. 17 books of the Bible are prophets. There's a reason for the seeming crankiness of the prophets. There is a reason for us to willingly choose to submit ourselves to the weight and to the instruction and the challenge of their words into our lives. Now, imagine with me for a moment, if you can, that when Zena got up here a few minutes ago and sang that song that she so fabulously sang, and we were all sitting here listening to her in rapt attention, just like we did. But imagine if when she had got up here, she had sung that song off-key, right? Imagine if she had sung it off-key. Imagine if she had sung it very badly off key and she was up here just singing her little guts out belting it out very loudly and very off key now some of you know exactly what it's like to listen to someone sing off key you might sit next to somebody every single weekend who sings way off key every single weekend that's why the volume is so loud in this room so you cannot hear yourself or the person sitting next to you sing true story now if you're musically insensitive such off key singing wouldn't bother you very much would it? Sure, you might notice that something isn't quite right, but you can live with it. As a matter of fact, if you're musically insensitive and the singer is your kid or grandkid, no matter how off-key it is, it actually brings you pleasure. Ah! <laughs> but if you have perfect pitch, if you're anywhere close to a trained musician, it's a whole different story, though, isn't it? Because you know what that song could be. You know what that song should be. You know how far off key that song is. You look at musically insensitive people and you're going like, how can they stand to listen to that? It's painful. It's agonizing. 
Now just imagine with me listening to that kind of off-key noise minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day, year after year. Imagine that. And see, we read the prophets and we go, hey, what's the big deal? Why are these prophet guys, why are they so heated up? I don't see what the problem is. That's because to us, to most of us sitting here in this room, society really isn't so bad. Things are going pretty darn well for most all of us. Sure, the violence in society, it's regrettable, but as long as it doesn't touch our lives, our homes, our schools, our neighborhoods, our families, then we'd just rather not think about those sorts of things. Certainly, that violence isn't our fault. It couldn't at all be connected to our anger, our indifference, our apathy, our lack of love. Stuff like cheating, it just goes on every single day. It's just the way things are, right? It's just what it takes to get ahead and make a go of it in today's world. Today, 8,000, get this number in your head, 8,000 thousand children will be infected with HIV and AIDS in sub-Sahara Africa. 8,000 children. It's the leading cause of death in that part of the world. But because they're so far away, we hardly feel a thing. And people in our country, they live on the streets. People in our country, children in our country, go to bed with empty stomachs. But because they're not our kids, because they're not in our family, we can ignore them, can't we? It's pretty easy for us just to walk right on by. And we say things like, it's probably their fault. They must have done something to deserve it. They made made their bed and, well, now they're lying in it, right? That's what we often say. Who cares that the poor in ancient Palestine got ripped off? So what? Why are we supposed to get so upset about that? That's just the way the world works. So somebody shades the truth slightly for the sake of profit. So somebody ignores the poor. So somebody gets a bit too wrapped up in their own comfort. So somebody gets a little careless about remembering those in need. And the prophets act like the sky is falling and the whole world is unraveling, right? But enter the voice of Jesus, who the scriptures describe as also being a prophet, And look at what Jesus says in Matthew 25, starting in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me me and Jesus is saying when you don't do those things you're not doing them to me he says you're not doing them for me and so we go what's the big deal and the big deal is see that the prophets have the gargantuan task the prophets carry the crushing burden of feeling what God feels and seeing what God sees and hearing What God hears while rich people, that's us, by the way, look the other way while the marginalized in society die. And we think that God must be pretty pleased with our lives because life is going pretty good for us. 
and see every single one of the prophets in the scriptures, they learned and they saw the truth about humanity. They learned and they saw the truth about us. And it's this, that we don't really want to know the truth. We don't really want to know the truth. We're deeply vested in not getting it. Humanity does not want to know what the effects of sin are in our lives and in our hearts and upon our compassion and upon our generosity. What sin has done to our world, we don't want to know what the effects of sin are. Because if we did, we'd be pretty uncomfortable, wouldn't we? Micah said it this way in Micah 2.11. If you've got a text, you could look there or follow along in the side screens. Micah 2.11. Suppose a prophet full of lies would say to you, I'll preach to you the joys of wine and alcohol. That's just the kind of prophet you would like. Now here's a question for you, again to answer aloud. How does beer and wine affect people? Does it make them more comfortable and relaxed? Or does it make them more alert and sharp? How does beer and wine affect people? Ready, set, go. Oh, good. I thought you were going to act like you didn't know. So thanks for your candor. Good job. You're exactly right. Alcohol makes people much more mellow, much more relaxed, much more comfortable, much less focused, doesn't it? That's why Micah says what he says. That's what people want. That's the condition of the human heart. We'd prefer to live in a state of what one man calls spiritual inebriation. Spiritual inebriation. We don't want to notice. We'd prefer not to feel. We'd rather not be dialed into the pain of the world. And Micah is saying, look, if a prophet came along who was speaking words that made us feel comfortable, mellow, and relaxed like we were drinking alcohol, that's the prophet who we'd be cheering on. That's the prophet who we'd be lining up to hear. The same events, see, which so horrified the prophets have just become everyday occurrence in our world. Things that the prophets condemned in the name of God, they've become standard business practice, normal operating procedure in today's marketplace. We've become so comfortable, so complacent, we hardly notice the injustice all around us. We just get used to it, don't we? Just like we get used to wearing a watch when we first start wearing a watch. At first, it like bugs us, right? We're like, hey, I got this thing on my wrist, but then pretty soon it's like second nature or a ring, right? You start wearing a ring and you're like, oh yeah, this is weird. And then pretty soon, you don't even notice that you have it on anymore. When stuff gets broken around the house, when it first gets broken, we're, we're like, oh, that bugs me. But then pretty soon it just blends in and you just learn to kind of live with it, right? <clears throat> we don't even notice it anymore. But the prophets noticed. That was their gift and that was their burden. It was really their curse. The prophets noticed. Look at what Abraham Heschel said. He's one of the great prophet scholars of all time. Here's what he says. The prophet is a man who feels fiercely. God has thrust a burden upon his soul and he is bowed and stunned at man's fierce greed. Prophecy is the voice God has lent to the silent agony. God is raging in the prophet's words. God is the one, see, who speaks through the prophets. They see what he sees. They know what he knows. They feel what he feels. 
And when we omit the reading of the prophets from our Bible reading, from our study, from our preaching, we risk great peril to our world, to our own souls as well. This stuff is a big deal to God. That's why we press into it. That's why we press into it. So then, here's the question we're all wondering. What do we do with the words of the prophets? How do we respond to them? What do we do with what they say? Because, see, it'd be real easy for us to get paralyzed by the enormity of the level of the injustice in our world, just to lock up and freeze up. There's way more to do than any one of us are capable of. It'd also be real easy to wallow in our guilt associated with our own role in the problem, wouldn't it? But the prophet Micah sums up for us the response that is nearest to the heart of God in what's been called one of the greatest books in the whole Old Testament. And if we as a community, if we as Christ followers can get around this one verse, this one statement, then we can get the whole heart of all of the prophets, all 17 books, because it all boils down to this. Look at Micah 6, starting in verse 6. What can we bring to the Lord, Micah asks. He's setting a question up here. What can we bring to the Lord? What kind of offerings should we give him? Should we bow before God with offerings of yearling calves? Yeah, that's relatively an inexpensive offering. Should we bow before God with offerings of yearling calves? Relatively inexpensive. Then he notches it up. Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? That got pretty expensive right there. Then it gets real expensive. Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? And that was actually happening in ancient Israel and Palestine. Where paganism had set in, idol worship had set in, they were sacrificing firstborn children. That's real expensive. And look, what, look how Micah answers the question. No. He says no. Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And verse 8 is one of the greatest statements that's ever been uttered. And would you just imagine with me for a moment what this world would be like if we actually did those three things. If we actually did those three things, because these are things that every single person can do. There are three things that aren't shrouded in any secrecy. They're not shrouded in any mystery. We know exactly what they are. Sure, we can pretend not to know what they are. Sure, we can pretend to be confused about them, like we really don't understand what the need is. But Micah is very, very clear. The Lord has told you what is good The Lord has told you what is required of you. There is not any doubt about these three things. It's about as clear as it gets. Here they are. Number one, do what is right. In other words, do justice. Do what is right or do justice. And if you're like me, you get very upset when somebody treats you unfairly, right? We just do. Somebody cuts us off in traffic. They pull out in front of us. They say something to you or about you. You don't deserve. That makes our blood boil. 
Dave Hagler, he's a former referee and umpire. He tells what might be the ultimate justice story of all time. This is from the LA Times some time ago. Hagler writes this. I was driving too fast in the snow in Boulder, Colorado. A policeman pulled me over and gave me a speeding ticket. I tried to talk him out of it. I told him I was worried about my insurance costs. I tried to explain what a good and careful driver I am. He just caught me at a bad moment. He told me that if I didn't like it, that I could go to court. Well, that first game of the next baseball season, I showed up to ump a game, Hagler writes. As I stood behind home plate, the first batter strolled out from the dugout. I was surprised to see that it was the very same policeman who had given me the ticket that previous winter. Our eyes met. He recognized me. I recognized him. There was this awkward silence, awkward pause. And then he asked me, how'd that thing with the ticket go? I paused, Hagler said. I looked at him, and I said, swing at everything. Swing at everything. (laughs) We, We hate it when someone treats us unfairly, no matter where we are, at work, at home, at school, in our family. Injustice really makes our blood boil. When we're treated unfairly, unjustly, we tell and we retell the story, don't we? But God says, look, just do what is right. Just do justice. Just do what is right. And see, most of us, we live with it, I do, we live with a double standard when it comes to the justice deal. We all want justice when it comes to us. Yet how often do we forget to extend justice to others? We all want it. But how often do we forget to extend justice to others? God's invitation to us today is to do what's right, do justice. And that invitation really is an invitation for us to get as concerned and as energized over the injustices that other people suffer as we do when it happens to us. Especially those injustices that happen to people who we might normally Be inclined just to overlook, look right past. We live in a world where large and small injustice is standard operating procedure. But God says, you be an agent of justice. You be passionate about justice. No, we cannot correct all of the injustices in the world. But we can do something. We can do something. We can notice. We can notice We can read about and we can be aware of what's going on in the world. We can pay attention to countries and corporations and how they are acting, whether it be justly or unjustly. We can also pray. We can pray for God's justice to rain down because there is amazing power in prayer. Prayer changes things. It just does. Prayer moves the heart of God and we can pray for God's justice to come. We can also be courageous. We can all be courageous. We can have the courage to stand up for people who are being treated unfairly in our little world, in our school, in our office, in our town, in our neighborhood, in our church even. We can stand up and be courageous. God says, do what is right. Do justice. The second thing he says through the prophet Micah is love mercy. Love mercy. And the word that Micah uses here is a very rich word. The word is hesed. 
And hesed means God love, God's loving kindness that flows out of and is expressed in covenant relationship like we've been talking about all the way since Father Abraham. Hesed is a love that is always expressing itself in action. It's not just a feeling kind of love. It's an active, moving, breathing kind of love. Something very, very remarkable happened in a college softball game just a couple of weeks back out in Ellensburg, Washington. Some of you might have heard about this. And we're conditioned to think these days that it was remarkable since it involved an act of incredible mercy with two players helping an injured opponent complete the home run that she had just slugged. And the moment of mercy came after Sarah Chacholsky's, a diminutive senior from Western Oregon, hit what looked like a three-run homer against Central Washington. Never in her 21 years had she propelled a ball over any fence, so she didn't have her home run trot in order, and while she was gazing in awe out at the fence, she missed first base. When she turned back to touch the bag, her right knee buckled and she went down, crying and crawling back to first base. Pam Knox, her coach, the Western Oregon coach, she made sure that no teammates touched her. That would have automatically made her unable to advance around the bases. And the umpires ruled that if Chacholsky could not make it around the bases, two runs would score, but she would be credited with just a single. And her coach thought, she'll kill me if I let this get away from her. And then Mallory Holtman, the powerful first base woman for Central Washington, said words that brought a chill to everybody who heard them. Excuse me, she said. Would it be okay if we carried her around and she touched each bag? Would it be okay if we carried her around and she touched each bag? And the umpires, they had to huddle up. And they said, yeah, that'd be legal. And so Holtman and the Central Washington shortstop, a gal named Liz Wallace, lifted Chacholsky, hands crossed underneath her, and carried her to second base. Here's the picture. Lowered her at each bag so that she could touch it. And then Holtman and Wallace, they started to giggle. So did Sarah, through her tears, of course. And the three of them continued this very odd-looking procession to third base and then to home to a standing ovation. Everybody was crying, Knox recalled. It was an away game. Our four fans were bawling their eyes out. We couldn't even hit after that, she said. That extra run, it made it easier for Western Oregon to win the second game 4-2 to and sweep the doubleheader. More important, though, everybody who was involved realized that they had taken part in an event that they would never forget. Have you carried anyone around the bases lately? Have you carried anyone around the bases lately? Even somebody from the opposing team? God says, look, just love mercy. Just do good things for the people around you. We make it so complicated sometimes when it just isn't. Have you carried anyone around the bases lately? Have you just gone out of your way to serve somebody just for no reason at all, just because? God says through the prophet Micah, love mercy. And then lastly, he says this, walk humbly with your God. Walk humbly with your God. 
And I heard and I read some people who hypothesized that this very last phrase from Micah in chapter 6, verse 8, probably had a very special place in Micah's heart. It probably had very special meaning to him because it is very difficult work to be a prophet and not to get all self-righteous, isn't it? Now, if you've been around churches very much at all, I am sure that you've seen people who love nothing more than going around correcting people, right? Not this church, of course, but like other churches. See, there's a kind and there's a type of person who loves to pass judgment in a kind of arrogant superiority, which they then cover up by saying, well, I'm a prophet, it's my spiritual gift. Maybe you've heard that. But I want you to know that there is a very important theological distinction between being a prophet and being a jerk. Okay? A very important theological distinction. And here's the distinction. It's that which wells up in the heart of a true prophet is not anger. It is not anger. Rather, it's love that wells up in the hearts of true prophets. It is nothing but love. True prophets, see, they know to the depths of their being that they too are just one of the many sinful people who have contributed to the problems that are racking the world that God made. They know to the depths of their being that they desperately rely and need the grace of God. And so in light of that recognition, they walk very humbly before God, very humbly, not welling up with anger, welling up with love, the love that comes straight from God himself. And Micah goes on to describe what happens when we set about to doing those things. When those three things happen, when we as God's children, when we as God's people, when we do what is right, when we do justice, and when we love mercy, and when we walk humbly with our God, Micah paints a picture for us of what happens, what that looks like. And he does it in the last chapter of the book, Micah 7, starting in verse 16. Here's what it says. All the nations of the world will stand amazed at what the Lord will do for you. They will stand amazed. They will be embarrassed at their feeble power. They will cover their mouths in silent awe, deaf to everything around them. Like snakes crawling from their holes, they will come out to meet the Lord our God. They will fear him greatly, trembling in terror at his presence. Where is another God like you? Where is another God like you? Nowhere. There is none. A God who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people. You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. That's our God. He delights in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. There is no God like our God, and he made it very clear what he wants. And we can sure try to fog it up if we want to. We can sure try hard to pretend to be confused, but it won't hold up because God has made it incredibly clear. Just do what is right. Just do justice. And then just love mercy. And then walk humbly with your God. And when you came in today, 
You should have been given a deal that looks something like this, along with your notes page. And while this thing, see, it, this isn't exhaustive, but it is a start. We put some people in a room and we said, if, we were gonna, if people were going to be about doing these three things from Micah chapter 6, verse 8, what might that look like? And we put all that stuff on this for you, suitable for framing. Put this in a place where you can see it and look at it often. And this is an effort just to get our community started on thinking about what it looks like for us to live Micah 6, 8 out right here in the Gallatin Valley. And so would you take this and would you use this and would you add to it your own ideas? And then, most important of all, will you go do this? Will you go do this? Will you go do what is right? And will you go love mercy? And will you go walk humbly with your God? I'm going to ask you to take your things and set them aside, if you would. And just close your eyes and bow your heads. I just invite you to speak to God about what you're thinking about. Just tell God what's on your heart and your mind. You can sure do that now. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you would, for the next few moments. Maybe you're here today and the Holy Spirit's been whispering into your soul. And you come to understand that you do not yet have a relationship with God, your own personal relationship with God. And so for you, doing what is right and doing justice and loving mercy, walking humbly with your God, it seems real distant to your thinking. You think about trying to just manufacture that stuff inside of yourself and go do it, and you're like, I don't, I don't think I could do that. And you're right. Because doing those three things starts with God's heart inside of your heart. It isn't just you gritting your teeth and buckling down and working harder. Uh uh. It's about God's heart inside of your heart. God's heart enlarging in the real estate of your soul and empowering you to do those three things. I want you to hear today that this God loves you so much that he made a way for you to have a relationship with him. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross to be your savior, to be the rescuer of your soul. And you can choose in this moment to begin a friendship with God. You can choose to put your faith and trust in him right now. And if that's you, if you're choosing to do that today, I'd invite you to express that sentiment to God by praying along with me right where you're sitting, a prayer that goes something like this. God, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to make a way for me to have a relationship with you. God, I know that I've sinned in ways that I shouldn't have, but today, God, I realize that you are perfect, that you are holy. That my sin, God, has separated me from you. And I believe, God, with everything in me that Jesus died on the cross for that sin. And I ask you to please forgive me by his blood. Please send Jesus to live inside of me. God, I want you to be my friend. And I want you to change me. And God, I need you to clean my life up. Please. 
God, starting today, I make you the boss of my life. And that decision and that prayer to give your life to God, to invite him into your heart, is the biggest decision of your whole life. Nothing matters more. Nothing carries more weight. And around here, it's such a big deal that we actually ask people to tell us when they've made that decision. And so I'm going to ask you to do that with me. If you prayed with me just then to give your heart and your life to God, to ask Jesus to be your Savior, would you be so bold as to slip your hand up right now and make eye contact with me? You can sure do that now. Just slip your hand up and make eye contact with me. Just make sure, yeah, you back there, way back there. Way to go. Right now, God is changing you and he's making you new. You two over there, way to go. Right now, God is changing you and he is making you new. Way to go. And you too, right now, God's changing you. He's making you brand new. He's empowering you. Right now, way to go. others. I don't want to miss anybody. God, I pray for us as a community called Journey Church that you would compel and propel those three commands from Micah 6a to the core of our beings. That you would write those things on our hearts. Do justice. Just do what's right and love mercy and walk humbly with our God. God, that those would be the markers of our life and our community. God, if we're not known for anything else, that we would be known for those three things. May we be all about that in every sphere, in every arena of our life. That it would just be who we are, God. And that those three things, as we go about doing them, that they would bear witness to you and to your glory and to who you are. Because we, God, want everyone to know who you are. And that you're the biggest deal going on planet Earth. You're it. Nothing is more relevant and nothing matters more than you do. God help us live those out today as we're driving out of the parking lot of this place we do the right thing that we'd love mercy that we'd walk humbly with you every step of the way every day we're going to lean into your strength and your courage to get that done God because that's going to be hard it really is but you give us the ability to do it. You're not going to tell us to do something that we can't do. So we hold tight to you. And God, we love you. And we pray all of this in the precious name of your son, Jesus. And the church said, amen.